Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, a combat sports variety show that gives you analysis, fight breakdowns, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes, Mookie Alexander, and Victor Rodriguez. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to episode 184 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined by Mookie Alexander and normally Victor Rodriguez, but he had some crime to fight over on the Amazon front lines, so he will be back next week. Now, today we'll be discussing a few things, starting with James Krause's decision to retire, Anthony Pettis' discussion of free agency, Fedor's last fight, Bellator's big fight announcement, and we'll still be taking a look at the best fights on UFC Vegas 59's card. But before we jump into that, Mookie, what's been going on? Uh, not much. Been busy with field goal stuff because uh, preseason starts for us next Saturday, in fact. So it's going to go directly against the Veracruz card. So I might have to miss that UFC show as a result. Um, but beyond that, n- nothing else major going on in my life. Um, I'm looking forward to some of the fights this weekend. And we even have some boxing uh, on Saturday. It's more quantity over quality, like Michael Conlon's back after getting knocked out out of the ring by Lee Wood a few months back. And Virgil Ortiz is back after his uh, rhabdo uh, hospitalization. Mm-hmm. So hopefully Virgil can just look good and, and we get a big fight in 2023 for him next. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I have to ask you, are you interested? Are you absolutely just frothing at the mouth, just eager to see this Roadhouse remake with Jake <laughs> Gyllenhaal and now Conor McGregor is going to be in it? Even before they announced Conor McGregor, Jake Gyllenhaal killed me when he came out and said that he didn't bathe all the time. You dirty ass, get out of my eyesight. I don't even want to see you anymore. And then they add Conor McGregor to this. And I'm just blown away. Is his star power still so significant? They want him in a movie with an Academy Award winner? Well, the best part is Gyllenhaal's playing an ex-UFC fighter, right? So now you got, they're going with the UFC angle. They, they won't let that one go because didn't they try or, or want to do a Roadhouse remake with yes. Rousey? Yes. And, they and it also just never got had, off the ground. Yeah. And they had also pegged Rousey for the the Miss Marvel uh, show. or And at the time, I believe they were looking at making a movie. And they were looking at Ronda Rousey for doing that. My goodness, what is going on here? Just because an athlete is popular and famous does not mean they can act. I mean, have you seen Ronda on WWE? I'll tell you what, she is very, very convincing to the eyes of global the, 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 the global news network in Canada. Uh, and that's one of their major networks. I guess they got CBC, CTV, and, and Global. They actually ran with the story about WWE suspending rousey for quote attacking the referee uh what was it at SummerSlam last weekend mm-hmm. yes they actually ran with it uh, as if this was a real thing that was happening and then in their follow-up tweet it's widely known and accepted that the wwe is scripted and this quote attack more than likely falls under that category so so why run the article i mean th- <laughs> thank you detectives oh my goodness i do need to make a quick um correction Jake Gyllenhaal has been nominated for Academy Awards. He hasn't actually won one. I, I feel I need to point that out since I erroneously said that he'd won one. So, uh, yeah, but still, wash your ass, please. Anyways, <laughs> it is time for us to go ahead and jump into our first news story. And it's a doozy, and it came out of left field. And I know you were as shocked as I was. At 36 years of age, James Krause is calling it a day. I'm going to quote from this interview that he gave. I had a herniated disc in my neck, and it was giving me real problems going into that UFC 277 fight week. And I was very close to just officially saying it. And it was hard for me to say. This is the problem with most fighters. It's hard to let go. It's really hard to let go. But I could tell you with almost 100% confidence that you guys will probably never see me fight again. And I'm okay with that. I feel okay with that. 
Now, as a longtime high-level competitor who has gone seven and one in his last eight fights, Kraus has a pretty good understanding of the fighter mindset, but he also takes issue with it. I've said this so many times, and this is the number one problem with the sport and the fighters. This has to come to an end, and at some point, it does. And professional athletics as a whole has to come to an end too. Football players, they don't play until they're 50. He goes on. This has to come to an end, and unfortunately, we don't get to pick it. Most of the time, our body gets to pick it. I am fortunate enough to be able to call my shot now, and I can say it now. Shit, man, you're never going to see me fight again. I'm done with this sport. I'm at peace with it. I have no desire to fight again. I really don't. My desires and my fulfillment have now shifted towards coaching. Moments like Brandon Marino and the rest of my team, I get fulfillment out of those. Whenever you win, you get that dopamine drip. But whenever you lose, it's the worst feeling in the world. And I think these fighters that come from broken families, low-income homes, they just don't have the proper upbringing, so they self-identify with the results of their last fight. So if they lost, they feel like a loser. If they win, they feel like a winner. Sometimes it's a day, sometimes it's a week, sometimes it's months. But that dopamine drip that you get from winning fades, and you just don't want to feel like a loser. You want to feel like a winner again. Then when you go fight again and you lose, you're back to feeling like a complete loser. And when you feel like a loser, all you want to do is feel like a winner again. So you get stuck in this vicious cycle and these guys don't know how to get out of it. And we see it every weekend with somebody that's still fighting that is like, why is this person still doing this? And it's because of that. They're stuck in that vicious cycle of validation for themselves. And it's just such a nasty place to be. Now he goes on and he says what he wanted from his fight career. And it is this. I wanted three things out of this career when I called it quits. I said I wanted to be financially free and I've done that. To be honest with you, I would probably lose money if I fought. I wanted to go out on my own terms. I didn't want somebody to be like, hey, James, you lost three in a row. And I wanted to retire in the UFC. Those were my three goals. And I wanted to go out on a win a win in the UFC. Right now, all of those three things are accomplished. If I would fight again, it would put at risk all of that for no reason at all. I don't need the money. I don't need the validation. Wow. We've always said that James was a really, really smart guy. And everything he said here put all of that in a nutshell. I can't disagree with anything he says, and we see it time and time again. But one thing he didn't say, and I will say it for him, the other reason why fighters stay in this way too long is because of the low pay. Now, James is set for life, but I doubt it's because of what the UFC paid, for, paid him. I think that may have been seed money, but James being the smart man that he is, he invested it wisely in real estate. He flips homes. He owns several homes. He owns a gym. He owns multiple businesses. His wife, he put his wife through nursing school and she's a successful registered nurse. They plotted and planned literally his whole career for this moment. And I love it because he started with an exit plan and that's what they all should do. Yeah. Um, Kraus, for as long as he's been competing in the UFC and he, he's done the rounds. I mean, he was in the WC for mm -hmm. a couple of fights. I think one of them is when he, he had lost to, to Cowboy and that might have been like a short notice main event thing, but it was one of the WCs. Uh, when, when did they, they merge? 2010? Yeah. So no, to 2009. So it was the year before. So they, they only had you know a, a year left, but still it took him a while to get back in, into a Zufa promotion because I remember him in Titan FC and then he did uh, a pretty successful run in, in RFA, but his last reported payout uh, in the UFC was in 2017, and that was against Tom Galicchio. He was on the prelims of that card. That was Gaethje's UFC debut. And his purse for that, listed here, 24K, and then add another 24K for 48,000. 
So he only had one, two, three, four, five more fights after that. He did get some performance bonuses, the, the Sergio Moraes knockout win and the Trevin Giles fight that he took on, on a half minute's notice out of his weight class. But in terms of just his regular old pay, clearly is, is that's not what, what put him over the top and made him feel comfortable retiring. And yeah, I, I see what Krauss is saying about just the, the, the uh, just the competitive nature of, of athletes, especially combat sports athletes to validate themselves and, and fight for the fans and always want to continue competing. And what makes that different from stick and ball sports is if you're a football player, if you're an NFL player and you're washed up at 35, teams aren't going to sign you. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you're, you're, you're done. Right. The, the, the team, the league pretty much determines that you can't really be in this league anymore. Uh, and then same they with, go to same, MMA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Same with baseball. If you're, if you're, you know, an all-star level level player for, for however many years, and then you're, you're hitting 140. At, at age 34 or 35, then it's it's time to hang it up. You might have some very, very small leagues in, in Puerto Rico or wherever where you can, can continue mm-hmm. career, continue your career for much less pay, but your days at the highest level of the sport, donezo. Yeah. So that, that's the, the theme for stick and ball sports. But in combat sports, other than medical, forced medical retirement or something much worse than that, there's no, there's no forced off switch. I mean, so James Krause... He's retiring on his own terms because he hadn't fought in over a year, in almost two years, and he won that fight. He looked good against Claudio Silva, but we know that Bigfoot Silva is still fighting. And in fact, he's, he's fighting against a kickboxer, I think, next week. God. And that is absolutely horrible to see. I also and, don't like the fact that they're put, they've got him on this tour overseas, so there's no window, a, a significant window between his knockouts and the next fight. I mean... Uh, didn't he just fight a few weeks ago and get slept and now he's getting ready to fight again? Where, I mean, where's this, the medical suspension, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing with doing these fights uh, out, out in areas where there are basically no right. quality commissions or places where, where they're not even sanctioned in the first place. Like right. this boxing match you took is not going to go into the box rec database. And I, I know Gray had, had had mentioned it, but yep, that's that's just not going to be a thing. But it still happened, unsanctioned or not, it's still a thing that that existed. Now, also of note from Cross's interview, he, he said he doesn't make shit on coaching, and he just coached Brandon Moreno last weekend. But Brandon Moreno, of course, is a flyweight, and the flyweights already don't make a lot of money, even if they are a championship level fighter. Right. So he said most of his guys are entry level guys making twelve, twelve, fourteen, fourteen. And he says, you know, you get 10% of 20000 It's $2,000. He's on the road every weekend, Wednesday to Sunday. So just, no, not even close as far as making money on coaching. So where else is he making money? He says he bets every single car, just about every fight. He's got a Discord server. And uh, apparently he did pretty well the last weekend. And he takes over people's accounts and, uh, accounts and plays for them. So he says he makes more money gambling on MMA than he does anything else. So tell you what, Yanni the Greek... Out you go. James Krause, you step in. <laughs> right? <laughs> Sounds like James actually gets the fights correct. Yeah. Well, he so, un- understands the game so well. I would imagine he gives outstanding betting advice. Yeah. So, and of course, even the best gamblers, you're going to have some down weeks. But yeah. hopefully Krause is responsible and smart enough and, and he's got his numbers right. That's, you know, if he has a goal horribly wrong on him, he's not going to have... Uh, a bunch of a bunch of white vans, unmarked vans outside his home, <laughs> with uh, with some armed people inside. But for James Krause, always love talking to him. He's a very smart guy, and if he's making money not just gambling on MMA, he's got some money coaching. Obviously, nothing to sustain him, and he's got all these businesses. He's he's in a advantageous position that a lot of a- other athletes just aren't. Because we know how many fighters and how many athletes in general, even if they're making great money, they mismanage it or they go into a bad business venture. They get duped into it and they got to continue with the one thing they know best beyond reason just to make a couple bucks here and there. And in, in James's case, that that's far from the truth. He, he's got his own thing going. He always has. And he doesn't end up being like so many other fighters who retire going on this bad three or four or five losing skid where he's also negatively affecting his own health. Yeah. 
Especially no. if you've got if you've got herniated discs in your neck. Yes. If you're having that long-standing problem without a surgery, let's say he's doing physical therapy or something, they've decided that he doesn't need a surgery just yet. Still, that's painful. I mean, I'm going through something with my shoulder and I'm looking at a surgery before the end of the year. I know what that feels like. So man, I, I wouldn't want to be in that position either and have to gut through it in training and then have a fight. No, thanks. Yeah. Anything to do with herniated disc, anything with your neck or your back. I mean, that, that is career threatening. Yeah. Those are the two areas, regardless of sport, yeah. neck and back career in jeopardy, unless you do something about it. Yeah. So, uh, look for, I'm going to pay attention to James Krause's, uh, betting advice down the line because yeah. I didn't even know he was a gam uh, doing, doing gambling. I didn't either. Had no clue, but I love it. I didn't know Colby Covington was gambling either, and apparently he cleaned up pretty well at the 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 big poker event they had in Vegas uh, last weekend. Four, Forty eight thousand. Yeah, not 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 too bad. So there we go. I was asking if Colby Covington was still alive. <laughs> and wait a minute, wasn't he? No, he was at a restaurant when he got punched in the face. Yeah. Right, he wasn't playing cards. <laughs> but uh, now now he's got uh, he's got a future in poker. Now, what if he switches to blackjack, though? Then he can take some money off of Dana that way. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right. You think now, Dana talk... would allow him at the table, though. I don't. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> now, talking about retirements and fighters who've probably gone on a little bit too long in their career, Fedor Emelianenko, uh, it's no secret that his career is winding down. And he had a uh, recent press conference in Russia, and he said, I still have one fight. The last fight, most likely, we'll see. It will take place next January. So he had sort of the, the retirement tour, the farewell tour. But, I mean, Cher has had like 19 different farewell tours, and I'm pretty sure she's still performing. But in Fedor's case, uh, it probably is the end for him. He knocked out Tim Johnson in, in Moscow uh, last year at Bellator 269, and he didn't look too bad, actually. He, he got an impressive knockout over a guy who's been a mainstay in Bellator's heavyweight division. As far as who's next for Fedor, don't really know. Scott Coker uh, w was uh, talking to reporters pretty recently as well. And he said of Fedor's future, this is his last fight on his contract. He told me he wants to retire. And I haven't talked to Ryan Bader about it because Fedor wants a rematch with Bader. But it's something that, you know, it's hard to say no to Fedor. Let's put it that way. We'll definitely consider it. But it's definitely not inked or something that is imminent. But definitely we will have that conversation. Coker said that Russia I is in play to host Emelianenko's retirement fight, though no plans have been finalized as of last week. And last week would be, I believe, the um, the, the week that they had Bellator over in, or two weeks ago, actually, when they had Bellator in Washington State for that Douglas Lima card. So the, the obvious options for Fedor in the heavyweight division don't really exist because that division is terrible. And I don't want to see a Ryan Bader rematch whatsoever. I don't need to see that happen again. Uh, Josh Barnett, I'm pretty sure, is, is is basically just wrestling now. I don't think he's got anything to do with, with fighting these days. Chuck Congo may be a, a possibility. Overeem, I think, signed with Glory Kickboxing, did he not? Yes, he did. Might not necessarily exclude him from uh, from doing MMA again. And also, he's doing some, some wrestling, too, isn't he? Mm -hmm. Yes, he is. Got something with Braun Strowman, I can't remember. So yes, you've got, that's probably not an option. Junior Dos Santos... Uh, is with Eagle FC, but we have seen Bellator and Eagle FC play nice a bit because some of Bellator's fighters have actually gone over to Eagle FC mm -hmm. over these last couple of cards. So I don't really know who is going to be Fedor's farewell fight, but I hope that this really is his farewell because even though he hasn't been losing a ton, uh, we, we know that just talking about the James Krause segment, fighters go on and very often they go one too many and it looks sad for everybody. I feel like with Fedor, it, it's, it comes down to money. And it's not that he's not paid um, handsomely, because I do believe that Fedor commands a pretty good purse. But he has been notorious through his whole career, uh, especially when he made that uh, religion change, when he went and became full-on, uh, I believe he's Orthodox Catholic. I can't uh remember, but I know he's super, super religious. And I know that he donates lot of his money to the, the religious factions around that are constantly surrounding him. So I, I feel like his uh, need to constantly have a big fight, whether it's only one a year or not, 
is because of that. And there were several stories. I believe we even covered a story on it way back in like 2010, 2011. Mm -hmm. Yep. <clears throat> so I, I pulled up Fedor's record. So since the loss to Dan Henderson, so we're going over a span of 10 years, mm -hmm. Jeff Monson, he, he beat him, Satoshi Ishii, Pedro Hizo. Man, I forgot that Pedro was still fighting in 2012. Jaideep Singh and Ryzen. That nonsense went over Maldo Babo that that's mm -hmm. wasn't should have been a knockout loss and it shouldn't have been a majority <laughs> decision win. And then he got knocked out by Mitrione after the double knockdown. Stopped Frank Mir, stopped Chael Sonnen, got crushed by Bader, beats uh, a, a very overweight, out of shape Rampage Jackson, and then stopped Timothy Johnson. So all things considered, I mean, nine and two over your last 11 is pretty good. But you know that the, the mystique of Fedor is long gone. Mm -hmm. I've, the absolutely worst part of me, the, the, the really evil part of my brain is thinking, you know, that Bigfoot Silva fight would be a good one to avenge. But, uh, you know. Oh, my God. I hate you so much right now. Coker probably wouldn't even <laughs> hesitate. Oh, my God. You know he wouldn't. The, 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 the one that I think that he would like to get back is the Verdum fight. But Verdum has got his, his uh, stake business going still, right? Yes. So I don't think he's he's intending to, to do much more MMA. He wants to box. And like, no, I don't ever want to watch Fabrizio Verdum for boxing. I mean, just think about the way that Stipe fight ended. I know, right? Have you seen him box? Yes, if you've seen the side-by-side -side that I think um, I think Case did it, Case Hearts, yeah. the side-by-side -side of the way Verdum got knocked out by Sipe and the way Pena got knocked down by, by Nunez, I mean, it is eerily similar. Just winging very bad shots waiting in and then just the much better boxer going boop and then down you go. But <laughs> for, for Fedor, I mean, he could just pick whoever. I don't know if Bellator is going to go to Russia anytime soon. Maybe the optics of that, given uh, given the war in Ukraine, might not be the best thing to do that. But maybe maybe Fedor's best send-off would actually be Japan. Go back to Japan one exactly. more time. Exactly. That's the best option. And it keeps Bellator's feet out of the fire because that's a bad look. You can't do that. You can't go over there. Yeah, I, I bet that's we're not going to see major promotions go to Russia anytime soon. And for Bellator, I mean, they've they've got the, a, a decent partnership with Ryzen. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, uh, uh, what's his name? Usayev uh, is going to be right up in the mix for for Bellator's lightweight title contention. And he came over from Ryzen. We've had Bellator fighters go to Ryzen and vice versa. So maybe uh, maybe just maybe they can collaborate with Ryzen and do like a New Year's. Instead of early January, do like a New Year's show in, in, in Japan. Yeah, I love do that. Do it like good old times. And Fedor's still got enough left in the tank that if they give him a, a reasonably respectable opponent, he can win. I mean, mm -hmm. power's the last thing to go. He's still shown that he can hit. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. Yep, just no Bader rematch. Like, we, we need somebody <laughs> below Ryan Bader. Please who, who's don't like, give him the Bader rematch. I don't want to see him crushed to, to smithereens in his last fight. Yeah, it's like any reservations or concerns I had about Bader after the Anderson loss were immediately erased by the way he looked against Boldovsky. And I don't remember the Czech-Congo fight whatsoever. But still, you know, Bader has still got something left in the tank. We need somebody who is age-appropriate and also um, skill-appropriate for Fedor. And that shouldn't be terribly difficult even at heavyweight. There got to be some guys. I would have actually liked to see if Brandon Vera is is... Brandon Vera still a one championship, so that's not an option. Fedor against Brandon Vera, just just for the hell of it. But there, there got to be some heavyweights still, still, you know, kicking around. <laughs> the UFC being the ultimate platform. Look at our heavyweight division, and then ask yourself that again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look look at the UFC's heavyweight division and how not very good it is. And then think about how much worse the other heavyweight divisions are in other promotions. Remember remember World Series of Fighting when they had Huckabee and Ray Steffo fight? Yeah, that, that'd be crazy. Christ. It's it's Huckabee, not I Huckabee, think Huckabee. Governor Mike Huckabee or former Governor Huckabee doing anything in, in <laughs> MMA would be absolute, absolutely rich and hilarious. But yeah, Huckabee and, and Gracie, they had Ray Steffo. And they, they had a couple. They had Arlovsky, I think, mm -hmm. when he fought Anthony Johnson. Yeah. 
but Shoot, you know, you know. Arlovsky made his career turn there, though. So I, I'm glad that he ended up in PFL so that he could come back to the UFC. Now, is he is he overstaying his welcome? I do believe so, but he's got a purpose, you know. He's there for these fights to make sure that the riffraff is out of the the rankings entirely. I I feel like him fighting in there is serving a purpose of of sorts. But if they were to let him go, I. I even as big a fan of Arlovsky as I am, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even blink. I've got the solution before we move on. Ben Rothwell got released by the UFC, oh, right? There you go. Oh shit. He signed with bare knuckle. Well, that doesn't, you know, eliminate it from fighting an MMA. Yeah. They let him fight. Yeah. So Fedor versus Ben Rothwell. Screw it. Let it happen. Mm-hmm. Not in bare knuckle, but in rising, have, have it happen in a ring. If Rothwell has got any sort of, uh, you know, drug test failures going on, nobody cares outside outside of the UFC and maybe even outside of Bellator. Just just let it happen. Fedor against Ben Rothwell. I think that'd be an appropriate send off in lieu of the fact that Huggy Bear is currently on the UFC roster. Fedor versus Ben Rothwell is the next best thing. Yep. I love it. Now we're going to move on from one big star to another. And I'm going to talk to you guys about Anthony Pettis today. And you know what? Anthony Pettis, I did not even know he was managing fighters. I just want to get that out there. But I kind of like the idea. I like the idea of fighters managing other fighters because they know the ins and outs. And I feel like somebody, especially somebody like Pettis, would know to negotiate for better. And this story that I'm going to talk to you guys about is a shining example of that. So first off, let's talk about Anthony for a second. He's just 35. It seems like he's 40, right? But he's only 35. And we go back to the Showtime kick, the Wheaties box, the WEC championship, the UFC championship. And then he took free agency to the next level. <laughs> that's that's basically what he did. And he's, he's seeing dividends going over to PFL. Even though he's only won one of his four fights there, they are really invested in him. And for good reason. He, he, his name carries a lot of value. And he did this interview recently. This was for the MMA Hour, by the way, with Ariel Hawani. And he, he spoke extensively about the way the fighter brain works. So I'm going to read to you from that. He says, I've got fighters that will say no to more money just to get on the contender series. And that blows me away. He says five and five to start in in the case of Dana White's contender series for the gamble of pulling off the big highlight reel win, getting the UFC contract and testing yourself against the world. That's the play. It doesn't always work out like that the way that it did for Pettis with a gold belt wrapped around his waist. Odds are that it won't happen that way. He says, you can't really do anything. You're like, dude, this is guaranteed money. You could still build yourself and build your career. If that's what makes sense for your career, then go for that. But I eventually think once the general public stops pushing that on fighters, then we'll see fighters making different decisions. To Pettis, who's been at the top of the UFC food chain, who's been at the top of the WEC food chain, that's not the most accurate picture of the truth. And he says, it's weird. I think the fame that comes with fighting in the UFC, these fighters are addicted to that. They want that more than the guarantee. They're like, I'm willing to risk not getting paid a certain amount to get the fame that comes with it. And the recognition that comes with fighting on a UFC card. The general public looks at the UFC like it's the best place to fight. It's the only place to fight. But as fighters, you're supposed to take care of yourself. Most guys don't get to fight as long as I got to fight. So I got to see all the phases of the MMA chain. From the Uf- from when the UFC got bought to the WME. How those changes happen. So I think fighters should definitely test the market. And there's so many more organizations coming out now that are paying good guys. Eagle FC, Khabib Show, they're paying guys very good money. Anyways, he goes on and on about that. And I think he has a very valid point. And James Krause 
also said something similar about the 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 drive to stay in the UFC because it makes you feel like a winner and when you're not winning it makes you feel like a loser. I think that mindset com- combined with the mindset of needing money creates the perfect storm for the UFC and allows them almost complete and total dominion over all of their roster. So Pettis is offering very good advice. Get out there, test the waters, take the guaranteed money rather than the possibility of fame. Yeah, it's a pretty thoughtful interview by Anthony Pettis. And by the way, he's got his rematch with Stevie Ray and mm-hmm. in, in the playoffs. That's, um, boy, the way that mm-hmm. fight went has me thinking, man, Stevie Ray might get him again. Can't wait for that on uh, Friday. But anyway... As far as the, the what he said about the, the contracts and everything, yeah, the, the 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 allure of fighting in the UFC, and that's why the UFC is so big on on pushing its brand, because we see how often fighters on the lower end of the the, the, the roster, they don't say much about fighter pay because they're just happy to be in the UFC. They're happy to be in quote the NFL of MMA. They're in the premier organization, and we shouldn't get confused over this. They are far and away the number one promotion in MMA, and that's not going to be challenged anytime soon. But that doesn't mean everybody's going to enjoy their time in the UFC the same way or have the same success. So for fighters, I think their mindset is: I wanted to get in the UFC. I want to get in the UFC because I want to have the biggest opportunities. I want to have the fame that comes with it. And if I'm good enough, I could be champion as opposed to I'll just go to any promotion that wants to pay me well. Now, Bellator and PFL and KSW, they all exist, but in terms of capturing like regular mainstream attention, combined, they don't come anywhere near what it means to be a UFC fighter. I like the Contender Series stuff as well. I mean, this last episode of Contender Series was one of the best ever. They signed everybody, and I had no issue with it because the fights were just that great compared to the, the dreadful fights from last week. But then you find out they're getting paid 5K, 5K. And you think about the ones who were on the cusp of a contract seemingly. There are a couple of comeback victories or, or just heartbreaking defeats on Contender Series. And it's back to the drawing board for them. You know, 5K and that's it. That is exactly what happens too. And these guys and gals that are going over to Bare Knuckle, I realize that Bare knuckle is serving a purpose as well. They're they're extending the the life expectancy of our career, but they're not paying the amounts that people like to think. Case in point, Paige Van Zant went over there and talked about how they were going to pay her so much more than the UFC, and they were going to do this and that. And guess what? She's not making what she thought. She's come right out and said it too, and that she doesn't know how long her future is there. I know that she signed a contract, so she's got a fight booked, probably because she's trying to get out, finish out the contract. But for those guys and gals, you are going to go over there and continue breaking things for a lot less money. James Krause, I, I got to keep going back to him with his exit plan. Start your career with that. Plan your whole career about how you're going to retire because that's the whole point of this. Yeah, you can't be in this game forever. Really, there, there are not too many jobs where you can just go from, you know, from uh, working age all the way to the grave just in one job. But sports in particular, if you're an, if you're an athlete impossible yeah now it's a cruel cruel mistress on your body yep so i think about the options now in mma at the moment because we had sort of that that time where after pride went under and and affliction had like three shows and ifl was gone yeah we started to see a consolidation of of a lot of the, the regional shows going under the ufc five pass banner and we didn't have really too many major competitors. I'd say Bellator is bigger now than it was 10 years ago. PFL at least has an ESPN deal. And I know they're talking about, you know, eyeing Nate Diaz and and potentially getting him. I don't think that's ever going to happen, but they're talking a big game. But you have Eagle FC, you have KSW, and KSW is, to me, the number one promotion in Europe over Cage Warriors because their production is phenomenal and their crowds are absolutely fantastic. They do stadium shows on the regular. Their presentation is t- terrific. You also have one championship, and as much as we joke about them, you know they're a legitimate promotion in terms of having top-end talent there. I mean, uh, what, what's his name? Roberto Soldich just mm-hmm. left KSW to go to one over the UFC. 
And it sounds like one it gave him a better offer than the UFC. And I think he also wants to kickbox. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Ryzen. So in terms of the options that are presented to fighters, uh, Pettis mentioned it and Shane Burgos also mentioned it. Like it would be silly not to test the market. Like at some points, there's a point of diminishing returns uh, as far as just being in the UFC for some fighters. Yeah. Now, once you get to the upper end and you're actually that good, you better stay in the UFC because that's where you're going to have the perks that are just not going to be matched usually by by other promotions. But for like middling fighters or, or fringe contenders or fighters on their way down, you absolutely want to try be open-minded, be as open-minded as you can be. Or if you're even a prospect on the rise and your contract is coming up, think about Aljamain Sterling all those years ago. Mm-hmm. And, and that was a, a big deal then. But if, if there comes a point where promotion B is offering more money than, than promotion A, you got to give it a serious thought. Now, of course, you always got to be careful because there might be some promotions that's maybe promising that money. And then there's some other bad shit they do that, that sours you. But, you know, there's a good and bad with just about every offer that 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 comes across the table. So, uh, you know, Bellator had a lot of free agents come over from the UFC during like Rory McDonald, Lorenz Larkin. Uh, this, this is like five, six years ago. And the UFC's attitude has also changed because they are more than willing to let certain free agents, even ranked fighters, test the market in free agency or just not resign them. I mean, it's not an ideal world. I mean, nothing really is uh, ideal, but there are options there for, for, for fighters as far as a post-UFC career or if you want to be in the UFC but you want to make that money first, you can go to another promotion in lieu of Contender Series and the UFC will always have you on their radar. I mean, guys like Bo Nickel, I mean, Bo Nickel's going to be on Contender Series, but he's a special case because if he wins, I think they're going to put him in the UFC right away. Oh, yes. And that, that might be better than him just taking a bunch of fights, you know, and with, with very, very small type promotions and getting paid peanuts. You know, 10K or 12K, 12K might not be much at all. But, you know, for those fighters like Bo Nickel, who are super prospects, he, he actually might be one of those where if he is that good, I think he would be away from the from the minimum UFC purse in no time. But for so many others who are not that highly touted, it's a much different story, and that's the part that sucks. It really does. All right, so let's move on to some fight announcements. We're going to go back to Bellator because they got uh, the biggest fight announcements. I know Poirier Chandler was reported by Helwani, but I'm going to give that some time because we, we don't know if that's going to happen November 12th or happen in December or at all. So uh, just knock on wood that Poirier Chandler does materialize. But Bellator has a big card coming up in October. In fact, October the 1st. Your main event, Patricio Pitbull against Adam Boric. Yes. So Adam Boric is a first-time title challenger. This will be the first defense for Patricio since winning back the belt. He, he had initially lost to A.J. McKee. And speaking of A.J. McKee, he is moving up to lightweight. And he's going to take on a familiar face to anybody who's followed him in the UFC or another promotion since his departure, Spike Carlisle. So that's a pretty good one, too. And this is in Long Beach, California. So this is more or less a, a McKee card in a way because McKee is, is the native there and Patricio is just the add-on. But you never know if we might see Patricio McKee a third time. Or the other storyline here is if Patricio still is champion by the time his next defense happens, you could have Patricio versus AJ McKee at 155 down the line. But as far as Boric, we know that he just had a fantastic win over Mads Now, If you haven't seen that fight... You, you got to get your hands on, on a copy of that fight, mm-hmm. or maybe it's in the Showtime archives. It was tremendous action yes, through five rounds. And it shows that Borg can go 25 minutes, and that is a very important against somebody as experienced as Patricio. And uh, for, for Pitbull, we, what more can we say? He is a legend of Bellator and an MMA legend in general. He's won this belt three times over, and he was a champion at 155 pounds when he knocked out Michael Chandler. McKee? undefeated up until that second pitbull fight which uh was a bit of a disappointment in terms of action but there is no complaining about the decision mckee clearly lost it and uh he has talked about even before that fight about moving to 155 and then he kind of walked it back well he's walking back the walk back i suspect that the weight cuts have been increasingly difficult for him because he's only ever fought at 145 i think 155 could fit his frame better in the long term he's still very young very exciting and super talented. And Spike Carlisle, he fights like an absolute wild man. So I think these are, are, are great fights for, for a Bellator doubleheader. 
And even though Boric is going to be a considerable underdog, and I would pick Pitbull, I think he has a chance here mm-hmm. because he's got that flying knee. He's got that pace to put on. I mean, th- this could be a, a trickier fight than expected. It could, but I don't know. I, I have faith in Patricio. What I'm really interested in, though, is that Carlisle fight. Because, one, I was so stunned to see that that announcement so quickly. And, two, I kept thinking to myself, this is actually going to be a good fight because of Carlisle's style and uh, AJ's style. I, I love the fight the more I look at it. Yeah, because he, you know, McKee could also get stopped very quickly with yeah. the way that McKee is so creative with with the way that he fights. But if it doesn't go his way that that easily, you know, Carlisle is just relentless. Yep. I mean, he he doesn't stop like that. Him and and Quarantillo. I mean, he lost that fight, but that that, that opening round alone was just pure chaos <laughs> yeah, right. and, and befitting of both fighters. So. For, for Carlisle, he's he's been on a five fight winning streak, and he's been everywhere. I mean, he, he is like that Johnny Johnny Cash song. He's been everywhere, man. <laughs> I mean, he he spots for uh, I think he did fight at LFA. He did some like Golden Boy MMA show that was just weird, but he had a Bellator fight as well. And uh, I can't remember the other promotion that he competed in, but he's he's really been the traveling man. And I, I I'm very much looking forward to this matchup. And for Bellator. I think that they would like to see McKee Pitbull 3 over McKee and Patricky, but they can still have the, the, the family rivalry going. I like Pitbull uh, McKee 3 simply because I'd like to see what kind of adjustments both guys make. I don't really think Mc, um, Patricio needs to make very many adjustments. It's clear that he paid attention and made all the adjustments necessary. Now it's on McKee to do that, and I'm interested in seeing it. For sure. That's a mm-hmm. money fight for Bellator, too. Yep. I should note, uh, the promotions that Carlisle has been since he's been released from the USC, LFA, Bally's Fight Night, which was in conjunction with Golden Boy, Cage Warriors, that's when he knocked out J.J. Ambrose. Uh, he submitted Dan Moret, and then he signed a multi-fight deal with Bellator, and then he fought in Ryzen uh, in, in Japan in April. So there's your Bellator Ryzen crossover example. So, excuse me, he's here to stay in Bellator. And Bellator's lightweight division is pretty fun. So I think that uh, Carlisle is going to be an underdog here. But think about his record, 14-3. and three. 13 of his 14 wins have been by stoppage. He's never been finished. So if McKee can beat him, that's no small feat. It can finish him, rather. That's no small accomplishment there. Not at all. Yep, especially since he's, he's faced Quarantillo and Bill Algio. And, and those are two pretty tough dudes. And uh, I'm... I'm very much looking forward to both fights. And, of course, I'll never turn down a Patricio Pitbull fight. Hell no. Absolutely not. I mean, the the way that that first fight went, it was catastrophic for him to get dropped and hurt and tapped and not even tapped. He went to sleep in, in about two minutes. But him in rematches, he, he's just a beast in rematches. I mean, other than I think the second fight with Strauss, he lost. No, it was the third fight. He, he had beat him once. He beat him a second time. He lost the third. But then he won the fourth. So... Think about who he's lost to. He avenged the Curran loss. He avenged the Strauss loss, uh, and he's 3-1 and one against him. If he were to rematch Benson Henderson, I'm sure he would beat him. Oh, man. But, you know, at, at this stage, we don't need to see it. And he's, re- he's avenged the McKee loss. He, he didn't avenge the Joe Warren loss. I think that was one of uh, quite a few questionable Joe Warren decisions in his career. But thankfully, we never, got, we never saw a rematch because that would have been nasty. Yes, it would. I mean, the Pat Curran fight was was punishment enough. I think it's still going on, in fact. <laughs> now, you know, there's some UFC fights that also got announced. Um, Matt Schnell against Mateus Nicolau. I like and, it. And um, uh, Brandon Royval against Askar Askarov. I love that one. Yes, yeah, so they're, 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 they're getting busy with this flyweight division and, and the fights that they want to make there. And yes, Andre Olofsky's actually been booked for uh, a fight against... Marco Sogero de Lima. So we're, we're still oh kicking around with, with Arlovsky fights, man. Jesus. I should have never said his name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And uh, Muhammad Mokayev against Malcolm Gordon. That's a pretty good fight, too, for UFC 280 in Abu Dhabi. I like it. So, yep. So they're, they're busy booking in, into December, by the way. That Chanel fight's December the 3rd. So that's how we know that uh, they're really... Putting the uh, putting their foot down on the accelerator and looking to finish 2022 with a bang. 
Now, let's get to our picks for UFC Vegas 59. Let's recap last week. The real reason Victor's not here is uh, he has to hang his head in shame for finishing under 500 for a card that was not too difficult to predict. Uh, Victor picked Anthony Smith over Magomed Ankalaev. And apology to Anthony Smith because it, it, Dana had said his leg wasn't broken. Well, it's technically true, but his ankle was broken. So that's where Dana says, bit us in the ass. And that might also explain why Smith bizarrely just grappled so much willingly with Ankalaev is his, his ankle was messed up. Uh, so Steffi and I got that fight correct. We got Pantoja over um, Alex Perez correct. Wrong on Derek Lewis versus uh, Sergey Pavlovich, even with the questionable stoppage. It didn't look good for the Black Beast. Victor picked Cara France over Moreno. That was going well for him until Moreno landed that perfect body kick that Boss Rudin would no doubt be proud of. And then the main event... Well, Steffi, you had switched to Nunes on the bloody elbow staff yes. predictions, but you and Victor had initially picked Pena, and what we say on the recording is what stands for the show. Yep. So I went with Nunes. Although, if, if you listen to the commentary in an alternative, you know, in an alternate universe, in a, in a parallel universe, that fight was much closer than it actually was. Oh my goodness! I hate you so much for a second time today. <laughs> I haven't rewatched the fight, but I just I, I, I'm now going to have it etched into my memory that this, the, the commentary for this fight was as bad as Habib Ayaquinta. That was just Rogan because Jimmy Smith was was great as usual. But Rogan was basically shitting all over Habib for 50, 44 ing ally Aquinta and jabbing his face off and thoroughly outstriking him. Uh, and also Dominic Cruz on the Habib McGregor fight. And the idea that Habib was McGregor's plan was to tire Habib out in that second round. And even Rogan was going like, dude, no, he's, he's getting beaten up. Also, let's go back to the Chris Cyborg fight with Felicia Spencer, where she was so tired, so yes. exhausted that she beat Felicia Spencer from pillar to post. Yep. Cyborg Spencer. Um, I'm pretty sure uh, Cyborg versus home was also really oh, bad God, commentary yeah. and almost worse judging because I think Cyborg had to win the fifth to win the fight. And then uh, I know there's some other fights I'm thinking of. Aldo Florian, where, where there was the insistence that Florian would tire Aldo out by unsuccessfully trying to get takedowns on him. I finished fights. Yes. And Aldo Hominick <laughs> as well. And, and pretty much every Frankie Edgar fight. I mean, it's just just the, the, the level of, of you, you can't be that divorced from reality. You can give credit to somebody for being tough and trying to trying their hardest to win a fight. But I hate to use this term. You don't get extra points for for participation trophy. I mean, you're going for the USC title and you're defending it. Anyway, uh, the updated standing since I won the week, I'm in first at 87-49-3, and Steffi at 84-52-3, Victor at 77-59-3. I swear, Victor was like very, very close to being first but a month and a half ago. Yeah. But normalcy has resumed. So <laughs> USC Vegas 59 is happening. Uh, sorry, anybody who, who expected us to have our deep, deep thoughts on the two tough finales. <laughs> We don't. We're not picking them. So Tiago Santos, Jamal Hill, the main event. Vicente Luque, Jeff Neal, the co-main. You know, I, I, Ariel Hawani had had said on his uh, on the Wednesday MMA Hour that uh, it, it looks like the UFC has kind of got this tiered fight uh, fight card thing, and I agree with it. I think it's a really good take. You got the pay-per-views, which are normally pretty stacked. You've got the fight night cards at venues, so in front of fans. Now that we've reached that point, then you have the fight night cards at the Apex. And then I guess contender series would, would kind of be that fourth tier. But I think that's what we've been crying out for, right? Right. You know, make make your products so distinct that you can tell what's a car worth caring about, or what's a car that's, you know, okay for the hardcores, and what's a car that's, hey, you might want to show your casual MMA fans that this event. And the fight nights have been really, really um, differentiated. The ones that are in the apex tend not to be as deep as the ones in front of fans. But I think that they're going to continue this apex thing for time immemorial for one basic reason. They can put on fights and control pr production value, keep it to the most bare minimum ever by keeping everything in house. So I don't think we'll ever see the end of fight nights at the apex as the base, the bulk of the fight night cards. We're going to see a lot more Vegas cards than, than the, the, the cards abroad. And I don't think that'll change even once we're completely in the clear, if we ever are of whatever pandemic happens to be threatening us at the moment. 
Well, I, maybe it's not a popular opinion. I like the Apex shows, especially you know, it, the, the small setting. And that's why I like Contender Series over Tough. I mean, you have like a, a handful of fans there, you know, family and friends or whatever. But you can hear the coaches more clearly. And basically, it's kind of like a very, very early UFC prelim mm-hmm. where, where the fans haven't even gotten in the building. And, and to hear the audio, hear, hear the sound amplified further, I, I just like that. Plus, you, you're guaranteed the small cage, too. Yeah. So I, I like that. I like cards with fans. I like sports events with fans because as awful as fans might be, the atmosphere, if, if you get the right atmosphere, not the one in Texas where they were booing Pantoja like 20 seconds before he got the submission, but like the London crowds or the um, or, or your typical New York crowd. Those are the types of crowds uh, they, they, whenever they go to Ireland, whether it's Bellator, or the UFC, it just feels like a momentous occasion, even if it's not a huge card. Yeah, indeed. I like the Aussie crowds, too. Yes, the, the Aussie crowds are excellent as well. Now, uh, we've got fights to pick. We're going to go to the prelims. Not the prelim that you think, though. It's going to be a prelim worth watching. Terrence McKinney against Eric Gonzalez. Victor is picking McKinney. So McKinney is a monstrous favorite. There's not much reason to pick otherwise. So uh, are you going with McKinney? Of course. I like the dude. So, yep, I'm going with T-Rex. Yeah, you know, Gonzalez can can be a fun fighter. My only concern with McKinney is, is he really just a one-round fighter and his, his gas tank is done after a few minutes? Well, maybe we'll find out in due time, but unfortunately... Eric Gonzalez is probably not going to be the guy to get him out of the first round. Uh, he's more likely to get knocked out in the first round. That's what we're going to see. Uh, so Terrence McKinney by first round knockout. He should be on the main card all the time. You're, you're basically guaranteed a, a quick finish, whether it's him getting a finish or him getting finished. Like that Dober fight. That Dober fight was as action-packed as you could get for a one-round fight. Now, next up on the main card... Ariane Lipsky against Priscilla Cachoeira. Victor hemmed and hawed, but he picked Lipsky kind of reluctantly. And, um, yeah, this is a, not an easy fight to pick, which is disappointing because Lipsky had so much promise coming from KSW. I'm going to take Cachoeira. She's tougher, and she, I believe she's a little bit bigger. I don't know. I don't have a whole lot of faith in Lipsky. So I'm going to take Cachoeira based on that. I think Cachoeira got a bullshit decision over G on Kim. Um, but Cachoeira, she is, she is durable. I mean, she can take a beating. And if this becomes a brawl, I mean, Lipsky could have some problems here because Lipsky kind of just, her game falls apart too often. Mm. And th- that's what I've found. You know, Cachoeira, she's been capable of coming back in fights, right? I mean, think of that, uh, was it the, the Gina Mazzani fight? Yep. Where Mazzani was, was basically moving in slow motion at half speed and Cachoeira was able to come back and win. Um, but just Kachuar is not very good, and I, I refuse to believe as such. So Lipsky should win this. She should be able to out-wrestle and out-grapple her. So I'm going to pick Lipsky, but boy, am I not confident in it whatsoever because of the way that her UFC career has been so up and down. So Steffi is going with Cachuera over Ariane Lipsky. I am picking uh, Lipsky, and so is Victor. So now we get to heavyweight fight, and like I said, why is Terrence McKinney on the prelims, prelims when he could be on the main card? And we are not subject to Augusto Sakai and Sergei Spivak. Victor is picking Spivak. Me too. And I don't even know why, other than the fact that Augusto Sakai is, isn't he on a three-fight losing streak? Who's losing right now? There's some, one of them's on a three-fight losing streak. Well, I think Spivak's been winning, but Sakai has lost back-to-back-to-back. The Ream, Rosenstruck, Tuivasa, knockout, knockout, knockout. Yep, just give me Spivak. Yeah, Spivak, he lost to Aspinall, but he did us all a favor by sending Rick Hardy out of the UFC once and for all with the TKO. He's also beaten Alexi Olenek. He's beaten Jared Vandera. I mean, he's not anything special, but he's, I mean, his his record isn't bad. He, he's, what, five and three, and he's just your typical, like, middle-of-the-road UFC heavyweight. So Sakai, I think, has hit the point where he, he's reached his ceiling already. He's going to get stopped again. So Spivak uh, by TKO. I just hope this doesn't get beyond round two or else this could be uh, get up and, and stretch your legs or do something else hours. So we're all picking Spivak over Sakai. Now to the co-main event. This is my personal favorite fight of the card. Uh, Vicente Luque and Jeff Neal. And of course, I'm a fan of both guys. Victor is picking Luque. What about you, Steffi? I'm picking Neal. <laughs> hmm. 
I don't know why. I just feel like his gifty nature, the second I don't pick him, he's going to screw me over and win. So I'm going to counter that. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to try and make a calculated move here and hope that it pays off for me. I think he has all the tools to do it. I just don't know if he will against somebody as creative a striker as Luque. I tell you what, Vicente Luque will make any fight, even if he's like a nine to one favorite, and he is not in this instance. He's like minus one seventy five. He puts himself into danger more times than not, and it makes his fights so compelling because he doesn't really get blowouts. He, he even if he gets stoppages, he, he'll put himself in some sort of bother. Um, so Jeff Neal by default is going to have a significant chance here because Neil is a really good boxer, but I just wish he would do more than box. Like he's got a good all around striking game. He could, I wonder if he'll try and wrestle knowing how poorly Luke dealt with the takedowns for of Bilal Muhammad. If, if Neil wants to try and, and take this to the ground, um, hopefully Neil is, is, is all recovered from the, the infection he had. We re- remember that. Yes, I think he had sepsis. Yeah. He had sepsis, and then he took some time off to to work on his his mental health and just get away from the sport. So I'll always root for Jeff Neal, but I feel like Vicente Luque is the more well-rounded fighter, and that's going to produce more damaging moments for him. So I've got to go with Luque by decision, but I don't think anybody's getting finished here. I think Luque— I'm over here making Victor picks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Ain't that something? Normally Victor is the dissenting voice, but you're the dissenting one on two picks now. Uh, so now we get to the main event, Tiago Santos and Jamal Hill. And Victor went with Hill. He was tempted to pick Santos, but post-surgery, Santos just ain't been the same. So he's going with Hill. I suspect we'll be unanimous on this. Oh, I'm going with Hill. I think Hill's a future champion. I love the guy. I think he's going to wipe the floor with Santos because Santos hasn't looked the same. As a matter of fact, Santos looks super gun-shy these days, and he's fighting outside the realm of what we know him for i hate that so much so anyways yes jamal hill if you ask me which fight should be the five rounder should be luke neal and not santos hill even (laughs) though santos hill's got much more divisional relevance at the moment uh because santos i mean that walker fight was awful and he keeps headlining too I mean, the Walker fight was bad. The Ankalaya fight was arguably worse. Mookie, you keep saying the Walker fight, and immediately my mind conjures up Tiago Santos with his with with uh, his braces on from after he had the double surgery, and now I'm conjuring up that with a Walker with tennis balls on the front. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> so now the old. Walker fight will forever be known in my brain as a real Walker. Well, the Walker fight, I think of it as the way Jamal Hill had uh, Johnny Walker looking like he was doing a backsplash for like a, a swimming event. He, he, he's at the swim meets and he fell back like this was a backstroke. Um, so Jamal Hill, his power is is for real. And he's, he's very athletic. And I, I feel like Santos is so gun shy. Now, Santos is still worth respecting because of what we know of him at his best. And his kicks can be lethal. I just hope Hill doesn't get drawn into some really, really awful low output fight. But Hill is aggressive and he's going to go for it. And Santos, it's not like his chin is is indestructible. So I feel like if, if Hill can close the distance, get past the, the kicking range and not fight where Santos can throw heavy body kicks and leg kicks, his punches and his speed, I think are going to get to Santos at some point and he's going to make him crumble. So I'm going to go with uh, Jamal Hill by... TKO in, in the second round and that'll be a statement win for him. I mean the Paul Craig fight didn't go too well for him but the way he wrecked Jimmy Crutes the OSP fight I don't really hold too much weight these days but the Johnny Walker fight I mean him at his best he looks like he could be a future contender so he is a contender right now so I mean future title challenger so we're all going with Hill over Santos so the pick differences here are just Steffi going with Neil over Luque <laughs> And Cachuera over Lipsky. So you can read the rest of our picks over at Bloody Elbow. And uh, Vin Scully, another legend uh, of sports and broadcasting. May you rest in peace. 94 years old. And he was broadcasting as recently as six years ago. I know. That man was a machine. Yes. He he, he just had the perfect voice for it, too. Perfect mm-hmm. voice for baseball. He did football, too. He did one of the most iconic plays in NFL history, the catch back in right. the 80s, the 49ers and Cowboys. But Man, it's just a bummer. We keep we keep losing these legends, man. It sucks. Yeah, it does. I know him mostly from baseball, but uh, I, I do know the reference you made to the catch. 
Anyways, it is time for us to wrap up the show. So I want you to go and visit Mookie on Twitter at Mookie Alexander. Follow Victor, who will be played by me this week when the uh, <laughs> the show happens and I lose my ass off. But follow Victor on Twitter at Vic M. Rodriguez. And follow his Instagram because it's awesome. So much good food. I recently went and visited again because he made some crispy duck that looked amazing. So check him out there. That's Victor Sinister Rodriguez. Now, Mookie is also the managing editor of SB Nation's Field Goals website. So if you want to commiserate with him on what he calls the, the, the terrible future of the Seattle Seahawks, please go visit him there. And you can check us all out at bloodyelbow.com. We've got a Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash uh, slash level change podcast. I almost forgot what I was saying there. <laughs> uh, listen to Mookie in the pre-recorded outro because he's going to tell you where you can find this show and all the other great shows and their associated platforms. And uh, until next time. Thank you for safe. listening to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, hop over to the Bloody Elbow Presents SoundCloud and iTunes pages, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We are also on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you will get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, The Mookie and Crookie Show, The MMA Vivisection, The Level Change Podcast, The Sixth Round Post-Fight Show, Sixth Round Retro, the MMA depressed us. Crooklyn's Corner. Exclusive fighter interviews. Show money. And radio style play-by-play -play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to also follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow. Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bloody Elbow blog. And as always on BloodyElbow.com. <laughs>